Hi, welcome to the best few minutes of your day. This is Paula Robinson of the Paula Speaks podcast. We offer you transformational nuggets related to careers, business, and leadership. We all have a few minutes, so let's spend it together. Hi, today I want to talk to you about workplace culture as it relates to a lot of the things that have been going on over the last few weeks um, in the midst of the pandemic. I'm going to talk about race. I'm going to talk about racism. I'm going to talk about anti-racism, but I wanted to talk to you about it in the context of a story, if you will, a career story, something that happened to me that really led me to the path of focusing on workplace culture. So just to give you a little bit of a backstory, um, when the pandemic started, there were a few groups that started popping up as it relates to human resources and leadership and training. And because all of those areas are areas that I focus on um, in my business, I certainly wanted to be a part of those groups. Those kinds of things were interesting to me and it gave us all an opportunity to talk about what seems to be normal, what the new normal would look like and um, be able to share examples so we can help other people in the field um, be creative and think about other ways of how they wanted to return to work. Well, after the murder of George Floyd, uh, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, Um, But most especially George Floyd, um, when you're watching a person, um, when you're watching murder, it's it's almost uh, in dis you're you're in disbelief almost not that you're surprised it happens. If you have lived the black experience, it's hard to surprise black people um, in terms of what has happened. But we rarely get the front row seat to see both victim and murderer. So anyway, when um, people started talking about, you know, racism and, you know, and and all of those things that began to happen, um, kind of like a pressure cooker where, you know, people began protesting and, and, and so on. And I believe that, um, protesting is is critical i think that um, discomfort brings change and i believe that having an opportunity to express how you feel gives people um, a way to start thinking about solutions and a way to bring um, attention to the things that other people decide to ignore so I just wanted to give you that backdrop before I go into the rest of the story. So the leader of the thought leadership group, um, I told her, I said, listen, I'm not going to participate next week. I really just need to detox. I, you know, I feel like I'm kind of, I'm carrying a heavy weight because what happened was as soon as this started happening, people began having dialogue and um, you start looking uh, online and you're, you're trying to help people understand. And while you're grappling with your own emotions, um, you, you still have relationships with people that don't look like you. You have relationships with people who look like you. Um, and all of a sudden there became this divide of people who didn't understand or maybe didn't even think it was important or they thought that the protests were, they were somehow in overreaction to something that's 
that's really not a problem. It just here, it just wasn't a problem for them. And trying to convince them and help them understand why it was a problem for me was hurtful and it was frustrating. So I decided to take a week off from the group so that I could really just process my thoughts and um, decide what action steps I was going to take next, because I think um, in the midst of problems, there are many people who have solutions. And I believe all of us have a solution to something related to race that we can share and grow and expound upon if that's what you want to do. So when I came back to the meeting the following week, everybody that was participating in the meeting, they weren't on the call yet. So the leader of the group, and I will say that this is a very diverse group, um, different backgrounds, different races, different um, religious beliefs and and so on. And, And it's a very enjoyable group. But on this particular day, Um, The leader of the group said, hey, Paula, how are you doing? I know you were gone last week and just, you know, trying to pull some things together. And I began to tell her, I was like, you know what? I'm doing much better this week. And I said, but one of the things that kind of came up for me, because I do specialize in workplace culture, um, I started thinking about a place that I worked at, you know, years ago and how I was placed in a very uncomfortable and a very unsafe position, but I didn't know it. So here's a story and I'll I'll keep this portion of the story brief because I want you to understand what happened next. So I began to tell her the story and it was only one other participant on the Zoom call while I was was telling the story. And I began to tell her how I was working for a company who flew me to a small town in Tennessee and it was my responsibility to do an investigation. And I have been doing investigations um, for years, but I was the new kid on the block, if you will, um, in this organization. And so they sent me down and I learned very quickly that most people there certainly didn't look like me and were very conscious of the fact that I was present and they let me know it. That felt very uncomfortable for me. I remember walking into a restaurant by myself to get something to eat. And rather than sitting down to eat, I took my food to go because it just felt uncomfortable. The next day I talked with the vice president when we talked a lot about strategy and such during the investigation and what were some of the next steps that needed to happen. And so that vice president said, hey, Paula, you know, why don't you come to dinner to my house? My wife and I would love to have you as a dinner guest. And so I said, well, you know what? I don't know my way um, around. And he said, yeah, we live kind of further out in the country. Now, to be honest, I already thought I was in the country. So I began to try to imagine where he lived and my comfort, not in going, but my comfort in locating where he lived. And if I got lost, you know, I I just, I was like, you know what, just pick me up from the hotel. And if you don't mind, we can grab dinner at your home and I meet your wonderful family. And then we can, you can bring me back to the hotel. This vice president was white. And so he said to me, Paula, if I put you in my car, you nor I will make it out alive. I was kind of waiting on a, you know, like the punchline, like surely this is a joke. He wasn't joking at all. And so that's the story that I told. And I'd said that was the first time that I remembered 
thinking I may not make it home. I remember calling my parents and saying, hey, I'm in Tennessee and this is what's happening. And this is the hotel that I'm in. And this is the restaurant that's nearby. And Vice President A said, he can't put me in his car because he won't make it out alive and I won't either. And it became very clear the discomfort that I felt um, while I was in that small town in Tennessee was very, very real. So real that his affiliation with me put his life in jeopardy. So I declined. I didn't go to his home. I called my company. Hey, I need to get home on the next flight. And I left. Here was the sadder part for me. The organization knew that this was an unsafe environment for me, but because I was new and other people didn't want to go, I was slated to go. My life actually didn't matter. They knew what I was walking into and thought nothing of it. So as I was finishing up and telling this story on the group call while we were waiting for other people to come onto the call, One of the ladies on the call, and she was an older white female, and she interrupted the story and said, well, Paula, how long ago was this? That's not quite the response that I thought was coming. Um, And she asked it in such a way that it made me feel, it, it, it devalued the story. It was almost like, oh, surely this must have happened 100 years ago. And why is this relevant today? And why are we even talking about this? Now, she wasn't, she didn't, you know, she wasn't on the call when the call initially started. So she didn't hear this, the story, the backstory. She didn't know that I was asked to talk about how I was feeling and what it, what came up for me, you know, during my time off or my time away. None of that. And quite honestly, she didn't care. That's how I felt. Now, I'm sure somebody thinks she's the nicest person in the world and that's great. But in that moment, that is not how I felt. I felt like her intention was to belittle my situation by asking how long ago it was when when you have lived the black experience, when you are black in America, you can take a story of something that happened 100 years ago and put it in 2020, as we've been able to see, and it could be the same story, just a different time and date and different person. And I remember feeling frustrated thinking, what difference does it make how, how long ago this was as if what I was experiencing was impossible to experience today? But then there was the other side of it where I thought, well, perhaps she's just not aware. And so I tried to give her the benefit of the doubt. And then she went on to throughout the call um, as we went on to talk about how many other, you know, different nationalities and such um, experience, you know, racism and so on. And how she wants to be sure that no one is left out. And in my heart of hearts, I was thinking, I wish somebody felt that passionate about black people and not just somebody, her. You wanted to make sure that everybody else was included, but you didn't mind me being excluded. You didn't mind marginalizing me on a call when I was asked to speak. You jump in and of course, you know, eventually the call took a different direction because it needed to once other people jumped on. But 
I just, it left a taste in my mouth and that <laughs> was kind of sour because I began to understand that this person did not want to talk about this and certainly didn't want to hear what I had to say. But what I will say is that is the reason why workplace culture is important. What I'm saying is, is that how we function in our workplaces, it matters to people. To put someone in that situation and to not care, I began to understand that that's just how the company operated. And when I came back and, you know, wounded and, you know, nervous and not trusting, they were like, oh, well, yeah, that's just what they do down in Tennessee. As if it was something that was acceptable, they clearly let me know that this was a possibility, but of course they didn't let me know before I went. The one thing about culture is that in the middle of a crisis, your weaknesses will be exposed. Your strengths will show as well, based on how, you know, how resilient you are and so on. But even if you look at the pandemic, when you look at the pandemic, the weaknesses of this country, the ugliness of this country, and systemic racism began to raise its ugly head long before the first protest we began to see that black people were affected at disproportionate rates compared to white people. We began to see that the poor suffered greatly. We began to see that underserved communities suffered greatly. Those that don't have access to regular health care and if they have to make choices between medication and food and feeding their families, we began to see that essential workers had to put their life on the line, even though some of those essential workers are the poorest among us. So when a crisis breaks out, and it doesn't have to be a pandemic, and it doesn't have to be racism, but when there is a crisis, it will expose your strengths and your weaknesses. People who didn't focus on technology or always thought, oh, this will wait till another day, no problem. What was exposed was that what they did not pay attention to. What was exposed was the thing that they put on the back burner. What was exposed was their weaknesses. People who didn't focus on how important training is. What was exposed was when someone got sick and they were the only person that did this particular thing, a lot of people were left scrambling. That was exposed. What was exposed was in this nation, there are plenty of people who didn't have computers and they didn't have hotspots and cable and all of those things. And so we start talking about, let's teach our kids while they're at home. Other people couldn't participate in it because what was exposed was our weaknesses. One of the things I talk about with my corporate clients as it relates to workplace culture is, is that in workplace culture, you know, and it's great to put out like cute little sayings and it's really great. And I commend organizations that have, are taking a stand against racism. I am not going to belittle that. But what I do know is that more has to happen. Um, having your statements and telling people what your culture is, the next step is living that culture. When you bring people into the workplace, it's important for the culture that you say you have, it's important for everybody to be able to see that. Work is a two-way street. I'm working and offering you my gifts and talents and I receive compensation and I receive community and all of those things back. 
I believe workplace culture is the foundation of every business. And I may have already said that um, in this podcast, but it is. And even though it may be uncomfortable, I am asking you to take a look at the culture that you have. I am asking you to look more deeply and determine what you can do differently. I'm talking about culture being the heart of the company. What does that look like for everybody? There are so many gifts and talents that lie within all of us. And when I say us, I mean black people. I mean white people. I mean all people, even the people that you thought didn't measure up. Even those that are marginalized or disabled or um, abundantly abled, I'd like to say. So you should be the culture that you say you are. And if there's anyone listening to this podcast, if you know that you are working in a place that's not living the culture, call it out. Talk about what can be done differently. Let's end what happened to George Floyd or Breonna Taylor. Um, Let's determine if we are better than that, as people say, then let's be better than that. Not because it looks good on paper, it looks good to society, but because you know now and forevermore that it is time for change. And even if change is hard, It is 100% necessary. I believe that we can do this. I believe one of the ways to be able to do it is sometimes listening to a person's story, even when it's uncomfortable for you. Don't devalue the story. Stop shutting people up because you're uncomfortable. Try to understand where people are coming from and then what you can do about it. And The person that interrupted me when I was telling this story, she kept saying, I want to learn. I want to learn. Well, the best way to learn is to listen and then go make the changes that need to be made. And if you'd like to know more about me and how we can work together, please visit aboutpaulaspeaks.com. I am Paula Robinson, the CEO of JPR and Associates, where we help businesses and people thrive. And if you are ready, let's get acquainted. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.